What did we get right about the Green Bay Packers 2022 NFL Draft? And what did we get wrong? We dive into all of it on today's show. You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Really Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown. You are locked on Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski. And I cover the Packers for The Leap. A newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. You can follow me on Twitter. Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast. iTunes. Spotify. Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked On Packers. The number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Today on the show, we're going to talk about winners and losers, a.k.a. us. What we got right, what we got wrong. Today's episode brought to you by our friends at Blue Nile. Looking for the perfect Mother's Day gift? How about fine jewelry from Blue Nile? Locked on Packers. Listeners get $50 off a purchase of $500 or more. And thanks for making Locked on Packers your first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. Let's start with what we got wrong about this draft and how the Packers would approach it. The first thing that stands out is the first pick the Packers made. They took an off-ball linebacker. Now, I'm not going to rehash my feelings about that. They're well-documented. You can go back and listen to the show that we did right after the draft. You can go back and read my tweets about it. And I, I wasn't a fan of it. That's not the point. I didn't think they would do this. And the reason I didn't think they would do this is because they don't. They don't. It had been almost as long since the Packers had taken a linebacker in the first round, a stack off-ball linebacker, as it had a first-round receiver. A.J. Hawk was the guy. And we're talking about 15 plus years ago. So this is not something that Green Bay generally prioritizes. In fact, they don't even prioritize it first two rounds in most cases, at least receiver. They're taken in the second round, even high second round. Jordy Nelson was a high second round pick. Christian Watson, a high, about as high a second round pick as you can get. I, I never thought linebacker would be in the cards in full stop in general, but even less so after the signing of Devondre Campbell. And I, I, the most generous reading of it that I can give to Green Bay is clearly they want to play less dime. They want to be the anti-Mike Patton. Now, they were, they're still going to play a bunch of light boxes. They're still going to play six-man boxes 90% of the time, like a lot. But I, but clearly, what they want to do is say, we're going to live in nickel. We're just going to live in nickel. It's either going to be nickel or base. And that means Quay Walker is going to be on the field a lot. He's going to be on the field a lot. He's going to play the overhang. He might even play a little bit in the, in the slot like Devondre Campbell did last year. They want interchangeable pieces. Now, does that change the way that I feel about the pick? Hmm, not really. But I do think it's useful context here 
Because if this is the way that the Packers want to play with Joe Barry and, and Matt LaFleur, then we have to take that into account. If in two years, Devondre Campbell's play falls way off or Quay Walker doesn't look like he's he's making the transition from college to the pros or 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 fitting into the role that the Packers are asking him to play for whatever reason, I don't think we can rule out a linebacker early because of this desire to play this certain way. It will be fascinating to see if other teams feel this way and start to prioritize this a little bit more in a world of light boxes. What we saw in this draft was a lot of teams prioritizing safeties. Interestingly, the Packers did not. So how how does that manifest itself? Is one right and one wrong? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. The other thing that I was wrong about is an old. I didn't think it was out of the question at all for the Packers to draft a defensive lineman in the first round. I had been openly pleading with them to draft Travis Jones in the first round. No one draft Travis Jones until the third round, which is just another reason why I was less than than pleased with the way that the Packers handled the first round because they could have just taken Travis Jones, take Christian Watson at 28 and take Travis Jones at 53 and then you still get 59 or take a receiver at 53, take Alec Pierce at 53 and Travis Jones at 59. Wonderful, wonderful. But that, again, not the point. But Devontae Wyatt is 24. That's an older player. So when he's in his fifth year option season, he's going to be 29 is he going to get a second contract as a defensive lineman? It with with the pack. I mean, he would have to be Fletcher Cox basically to justify that contract, a second contract. Because at that age, you know, like Kenny Clark is is only a few months younger. He's in the midst of a monster contract, and he will be younger at the end of his second contract. Or about the same age as Devontae Wyatt at the end of his first contract. That's wild. That's wild. And and one of the reasons it's even more surprising is because Brian Gutekunst stood in front of the media and was like, yeah, age is important and we think about it and it's not really going to change. Our evaluations are not really going to change this year because of COVID, because this is an older class. We don't really care. Age matters when we think about projection. And then he took an old player. I mean, it it is truly wild. Now, I think the other side of this is if you're the Packers right now, you're going, well, the window is right now. The window is right now. And they took a couple older players. Christian Watson is 23. We thought Sean Ryan was 23, but it turns out he's 21, going to turn 22. I, I think... <laughs> We've had a couple a couple different uh, stories on that one going into the draft. There was a lot of reporting, you know, like Dane Brugler at The Athletic had him at 23. The Packers website listed him at 23. And then, you know, the, Mike Spofford at, at Packers.com said he was 21. Mike Renner at Pro Football Focus said he's 21. It sounds like he's 21. But even so, Kingsley Enigbari, sorry, J.J. Enigbari, an older prospect. 
Now they have on day two and day three taken some older players. But still, in general, this is a team that likes younger players. I think offensive line is going to be the one place you might consistently see them go outside that. But this was an old draft class and the Packers took a bunch of olds. I think that that is, um, I don't think it's indicative of anything changing with the way that the Packers handle business. I think it is mostly a function of this draft class in particular being a little bit different. Being an older class with COVID, Devontae Wyatt in particular, he got an extra year of eligibility basically. And he used it. He would not have been a first round pick probably last year. Now he's still really athletic, but the productivity, he made a leap this season. And he should when you're 23, especially playing in the trenches against guys that are 18, 19, 20. There's just a difference in your physical makeup. Now, can you do it against guys who are also 23, 24, 25, 26, 28, 30, 32? Against grown-ass men, how do you hold up? That's a question that he's going to have to answer. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Blue Nile. Blue Nile is fine jewelry. We're talking about diamond jewelry, cocktail rings, tennis bracelets, layering jewelry. And Mother's Day around the corner, Father's Day around the corner, wedding jewelry, just every day, fine jewelry. There's You don't need a special reason to give someone a beautiful gift. And Blue Nile is a great place to get it because they have independently certified diamonds and gemstones. They have a, a wide variety of styles to choose from. And they want to make it easier for you because you're a Lockdown Packers listener to get some. This Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Lockdown Packers listeners get $50 off of a $500 purchase or greater. This podcast is this podcast promotion is exclusive and good through Mother's Day. So use promo code Locked On. That's Locked On to get that $50 off. Every order is insured and ships free, arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. And thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen of the day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. All right, now let's get to some of the big things we got right. We nailed the receiver thing. And a couple things here. We wrote on the leap about Packer types. And I wrote a piece about the physical model that the Packers generally like, usually over six feet, over 200 pounds to play on the boundary, and four, five, 40 or better, seven, one, three cone or better. And generally speaking, a relative athletic score above eight. One, one player did all the drills and qualified. That was Christian Watson. One player did all the drills and qualified. That was Christian Watson. Now, Alec Pierce just barely missed the three cone. Otherwise, he was in the mix. And Romeo Dubs did everything but the three cone. But height, weight, speed. Height, weight, speed. Now, there are some other guys who were close. George Pickens at 195 in the mix. But we we speculated 
oh, in a draft where they need these guys, they might relax that a little bit. And Randall Cobb, Brian Gutekinds has said outright, was an exception to the rule. Would they make exceptions in a season and in a draft where they desperately needed receivers? Would they make an exception for Chris Olave, who's 187? Would they make an exception for Traylon Burks, who did not hit the sort of agility metrics that they like? Would they make an exception for some of these fast secondary uh, draft players, the day two players, Khalil Shakir, who did not hit the three cone measurables? They didn't. They picked two receivers, at least at the top of the draft. You get the seventh round flyer. But they picked two receivers at the top of the draft who qualified physically for their types. There just aren't that many of them. And if you look at the guys who actually hit that 200-pound mark, which is basically outside of Randall Cobb, everyone, every receiver that they draft is at least 200 pounds. The guys who hit six foot, 200 pounds and run in in four, five or better. It's Romeo Dubs and Christian Watson. And that's basically the list. The other part of this is I said, I added this piece because we don't, the Packers have not traditionally cared as much about it as I do, but Dominator, the, the percentage of, of target share that you create of, of offensive productivity in the passing game that you create. You have to be above average in this metric or you're you're an outlier to succeed. Christian Watson, 90th percentile. Romeo Dubs, also above average. Same with breakout age. Now, Christian Watson was a little late. Still above average, 53rd percentile. Romeo Dubs, 80th percentile. They both hit the Packers' height, weight, speed and the two key productivity metrics that I love. Hello. Hello. The Packers went with their Packers types. And I'm calling this a win because we did speculate there could be these these exceptions. Draylon Burks, Chris Olave, because Burks, because of fit, Olave, because of NFL readiness and polish and quality and all that stuff. They ended up going long before the Packers would have a chance to pick them, or at least in Burks' case, before. And in in a spot where with the Titans in particular, they had essentially no choice because they traded away their best receiver to go get the closest copy of that guy that they could. We were on Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. And although I don't remember if I said it on this show or not, I did tweet Drake Jackson and Romeo Dobbs. If you gave me just those two guys versus the field, you'd have to give me some wild odds on this. Pick, I, I would pick one of those two guys to be a Packer over anyone else. Over anyone else. And Dubs was, in fact, a Packer. Now, part of that was because I thought it would take a first-round pick to get Christian Watson, and I didn't think Green Bay would take him in the first round. That turned out not to be true either. If we go back to the things we were wrong about, the olds, because the Packers tried to trade up to 32 to get Christian Watson, which would have meant a first-round receiver. Hello? And another old in the first. I thought they were go- they would be willing at least to take a first round receiver. That turned out to be right. They didn't, but they were willing to. The Vikings just weren't willing to do the trade until later, until two picks later for whatever reason. And I think that that's worth mentioning. Now, let's not get bogged down in the 
32 versus 34. Like, I think the whole conversation of first-round receiver is silly. I've said that for years. Like, they they tried to trade into the first round to get Christian Watson. They they couldn't. They move up to 34 to get Christian Watson. And by the way, their first pick in the Jordy Nelson draft was Jordy Nelson. They traded out of the first round, got Jordy Nelson, and then picks. So it's not, it's not, it's kind of disingenuous to say, oh, they've, you know, they've never taken a first round receiver. It's like saying they didn't take Kevin King in the first round, but he was a 32nd pick, but there was no, that was the end of the first round because the Patriots didn't have a pick that year. It's just like these, these semantic things are not worth getting bogged down in. They're just not. So let's not, I guess is what I'm saying. So we, we also looked at offensive linemen and felt like this was going to be a situation where they're going to bolster the interior. Elton Jenkins is the right tackle. This draft signals pretty clearly to me, Elton Jenkins is your right tackle because Zach Tom announced as a guard. Sean Ryan announced as a guard. If those two guys are guards, then Yash Nijman and David Bakhtiari are the only tackles on the roster. Guess what? Elton Jenkins is a tackle. So... Now you have Zach Tom, who, by the way, I said before the draft, was the most Packersy lineman in the draft. Christian Watson was one of the dozen or so players that I dubbed future Packer Christian Watson. So just if we're going to go back to the dubs, there's more dubs. Not Romeo. <laughs> and the offensive lineman fit the types. Highly athletic. Tackles to play guards. This is this this draft was so Packersy. It was so Packersy because they did the thing in the first round we didn't expect them to do. They took a player. Very few people before the day of the draft thought they would take. Although all of a sudden Thursday, the mock drafts, every single mock draft had a linebacker to the Packers in that spot. Every single one. Either it was either Devin Lloyd or Quay Walker on everyone's mock draft. Whatever the intel was that the Packers loved a linebacker or loved Quay Walker, it was out there by that time. But when the Packers are going into these drafts, sometimes, like last year, I think they went a little bit outside of what they normally want to do. This was, in a way, a return to form for them. The wonky curveball first-round pick, I would say to an extent a wonky curveball second first round pick. But then second round receiver right in their wheelhouse who's an uber athlete, an athletic Pac-12 anything, offensive tackle in this case to play guard. Then you get this receiver that is perfect, perfect for the Packers. Perfect for the Packers. Perfect fit, Romeo Dubs, and a, and a perfect compliment to Christian Watson. We said, what did we say about the receivers? Early, middle, late. What did they do? Early, middle, late. And I think Samori Toure is a perfect Jeff Janis analog. Height, weight, speed, going to be a special teams player if he makes the team. I think Dubs very clearly uh, is not as physically gifted as Christian Watson, although that's not quite fair because Christian Watson is as physically gifted a receiver as you can find. 
but is going to make it because he can return punts, because he runs good routes, because he's reliable. Sounds a lot like Jared Aberderis, whose problem was not that he couldn't play. It was because he couldn't stay on the field. A lot of people thought Aberderis should be getting more playing time over Devontae Adams as a rookie. That was wrong. That was wrong. But I, I think... Dubs can be a supercharged version of that. Someone can play on the outside. Someone can play on the slot who can win down the field. Aberderis had underrated speed, sneaky athlete, that Jared Aberderis, and is going to be a reliable target early, middle, late. I, I was sort of making this joke on, on Twitter that this wasn't, in a lot of ways, the most predictable outside of the weird first round, the most predictable Packers draft in a little while because of the types of players that they picked. I mean, I, I, from, from day two on, we essentially predicted all of this. And then seventh round special teams. Tariq Carpenter is a special teams only player. Toure is going to be a special teams player. If he can make the team Ford is a special teamer in all likelihood. Although they, they think he can be a little bit more than that, but have that special teams background. You know, there there were some that that reveled in my wrongness <laughs> in the first round. Fine. Doesn't bother me. But but from round two on, between the leap, between Twitter, between locked on Packers, we called the rest of the draft. Heavy interior offensive linemen, it's all Packers types, the receivers, the kinds of receivers, where the receivers would go. Now, there was there was, there was one place, and, and this is interesting, that I thought there is a mixed reaction. And it's something that, that, I think is really, really interesting, just maybe just to me, but really interesting. We're going to talk about it after the break. Today's episode brought to you by Built Bar. Summer is coming, and with summer, you're going to need food on the go. Built Bar is the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. Just throw it in your bag and your kid's backpack and make sure everyone has a, a bar so they are fueled for your summer adventures. The best part about Built Bar, they're healthy and delicious. No more sacrificing delicious food for health. With Built Bar, you can have both. And it's easy. All you have to do is go to Built.com and get your order in. All these bars covered in 100% chocolate. They're delicious. But they're still good for you. High in protein, high in fiber, low in net carbs, low in calories. Go to Built.com for your favorites. We've got banana cream pie, raspberry double chocolate, plus Built Puffs churro. Churro, come on, churro. Banana cream pie, unbelievable taste. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. And thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen every day. Now go make your second listen, Locked On NFL. The schedule may be dark, but the NFL never stops, and neither does Locked On NFL. Get insights and opinions from hosts, including Ross Jackson, Chris Carter, Tony Wiggins, plus local Locked On NFL Drafts hosts drafting all 32 squads. There's no offseason for real fans, so make sure you're subscribed to Locked On NFL on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. So this question about... Being half right or being partially right. One of the things we talked about a lot over the course of the weeks leading up to the draft was this question about safety. 
And I said, okay, if the Packers, and I would, I'm just assuming the Packers are not going to pay Adrian Amos because they don't give out second contracts to non-Hall of Fame players. Adrian Amos is not a Hall of Fame player. He might be a Packers Hall of Fame player. So maybe, maybe you'd change the calculation there. They have, they're going to have plenty of cap space. So maybe they do, but we were talking about safety and, and safety three. And if they're going to play all this safety three, then, then they need to get, they need to get a guy. Well, they did. They got Quay Walker. The truth was that rather than play safety three, I think they're going to let their linebackers play more overhang. Rather than play big dime with three safeties, they're going to play more traditional nickel with a linebacker doing the things that the safeties would otherwise be doing. It's not that they didn't want to get better. They didn't want to improve over a guy like Henry Black. It's that they drafted a linebacker who at Georgia was that overhang defender who played where a safety might in this Packers defense. And so it's a bit of a two for one in that way. Now, the concern that I would have is on the other side of this, the depth at safety is perilous. And that's why a Daxton Hill or a Jalen Petrie or a Lewis Seen would have made a lot of sense because in the short run, in year one, you have a safety three, but that's that's depth. So while I think it's okay to say, okay, if you can get a linebacker who can do all these things that someone like Henry Black could do, and, and whether or not Quay Walker can do that, we'll see, but that's not the point. The idea of this is so that you don't have to play Vernon Scott or Henry Black or whoever your third safety is. I understand that. What happens when Darnell Savage gets hurt? He's been hurt basically every year of his career so far for at least a game or two. Adrian Amos, what happens if he gets hurt? They can't play Quay Walker literally in that spot. They're not going to play him in the deep half. They're not going to play him in the deep middle. So what do you do? So while the Packers did account for some of the things that that player was doing in what is essentially a philosophical replacement of that that concept of that player, they still don't physically have a safety three. So they do not have depth there. And then the other the other thing that really really was just wrong, but we didn't we didn't get to it in the last segment is the tight end thing. We talked about this yesterday, so I didn't want to belabor it, but I said, write, write a tight end's name in the third or fourth round in ink. They're taking one. And then they didn't. And I think one of the reasons why they didn't is because Sean Ryan was awesome value where they got him. I thought he was a top 50 player. And then Romeo Dubs was awesome value where they got him. I thought he was a top 75 player. So sometimes the draft just falls in your favor. They got two really good players instead of tight ends. But I thought for sure that they were going to be prioritizing that. And and I had I had heard that, in fact, that they wanted to get one. That doesn't mean that the draft is always going to fall exactly the way that you want it to. Sometimes you go in. The Packers in 2020 went into that draft going, we would love to get a receiver. We would like to get one. Please. Thank you. They didn't get one. The board just fell weird. And they they were resolute in making sure that that would not happen again. By the way, we said that on this show that Brian Gutekinds was not going to wait around and get Brandon Ayuk again. And even if it meant overpaying a bit, which they did, they were going to get that guy. But the guy they got was the only player 
in the draft at the position to meet every single one of the kinds of things that they normally care about. So we should have seen it coming even more than we did. What I didn't see coming was that he wouldn't be a first round player. And they would, they would trade up in the second to get him. That's the part that I think is the most surprising part of this. That was not a right or wrong because he ended up going borderline first, right where everyone said he was going to go between 25 and 35. That was the range where everyone had him. I thought, okay, there could be a trade back. We did, we did bring that up as a possibility, a trade back for a Christian Watson. They ended up trading up and they presumably got three guys that they had first round grades on. So that's good. Getting good players is, turns out, good. All right, we're going to be back this week. More interviews to come. Um, Packers have a rookie camp starting this weekend, just a couple days to get in, get acclimated to what's going on, get up to speed with some of the playbooks. And then uh, there's there's mandatory mini camp coming up in June. So uh, we will get a first look at these guys. The locker rooms will be open starting on Friday. So we'll get a first look at these players um, and, and see what they have. Let's not overreact to anything we see um, or hear. But we will actually talk later in the week about expectations, about setting reasonable expectations and trying to to figure out what makes sense for these guys in year one. We're going to have Jason Hershorn on the show soon from The Leap. Uh, We will have Tyler Brook on the show coming up soon from SB Nation, Acme Packing Company, um, and, and working on a couple other fun things to get us through the off season. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.